Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Those of you who are with us in the room and those of you who are joining us online, I've got to say it feels early today. Uh, I, you know, some people, uh, when the time changes forward, uh, some people are like, oh no, I just go to bed an hour earlier. And I have never been able to do that. I lose an hour of sleep every year when we, when we hit this time. But I got to say, I'm glad for the days getting longer. I'm glad that spring is here. And so, uh, so I'm happy. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have used for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We believe that the Lord is present when we gather together to worship him. Pray with me. Father, you truly are the only one who can change those things, who can change those places in our lives where there's been death into life. Lord, nothing, nothing, nothing is better than you. And I thank you, Father, for being that God. I thank you for being that God who comes into our spaces where we are, who doesn't leave us in the, in the grave, who doesn't leave us in our shame, who doesn't leave us stranded and abandoned. Lord, I thank you for this morning and for this people that are gathered here and for those of us who are joining us online, for each and every one, Lord, as we worship you, as we give you all the praise and glory that you alone deserve. And I ask, Father, that you would be with us through this service as we continue worshiping you, as we continue hearing from you through song and through the word that you have given Pastor Rich this morning. I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts that will listen to what it is you have to say to us this morning. We give you all the praise and glory, and we pray this in your mighty, holy name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Awesome. Well, wave at somebody across the way since we aren't yet ready to mingle. And um, in the meantime, Pastor Rich is going to come and share a few things and then bring the word. Thank you, Pastor Judy, for leading us in prayer. Um, yeah, we're glad that you're with us today, and uh, we'd love for, to know that you're with us, if you're, uh, especially if you're online. I can see the people that are gathered in the room. I can't see you. So if you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and uh, fill out that little digital connect card. Uh, I think we've got the link we can put on the screen there. Uh, yeah, right there. Um, that uh, just let us know you're with us. Let us know how we can pray for you. And uh, we would love to connect with you this week um, to support you, to encourage you in whatever way that we can. Uh, thank you that, uh, oh, if you're in the room, of course, you could do that same thing uh, right there from your smartphone, from where you're sitting. Uh, or if you'd rather write on paper, there's little green cards back there by the offering box. You can jot us a note. You can drop it in there. Um, and, and if you're giving today, obviously, you drop it in that offering box. If you're with us online, you can go to livinghope.info slash give and give online. Thank you for those of you who uh, have given so faithfully. Um, it was fun to share a couple of weeks ago in our annual meeting uh, that, uh, you know, we're not struggling financially as a church because of your generosity. Uh, we have all the funds that we need to do all the ministry God has called us to. Thank you for that. Um, we depend on all of us giving what God tells us to give, and then we do ministry with that money, so both here and around the world. So thank you for giving faithfully, and um, 
Hopefully, uh, well, we'll continue to have reason to celebrate your generosity throughout the, the remainder of the year as different things come up, as different things happen. Um, and some of you uh, have been appreciating and enjoying those little daily prayer videos that Pastor Judy and I put together. Um, you can find out more info on our website, uh, or you can just, wherever you're watching this, if you're watching online, then tomorrow morning, uh, there will be a video there. Uh, it's, it always appears at a slightly different time. It depends on if I manage to uh, either stay up late enough or get up early enough to record it uh, early uh, and get it out there, or if I'm recording it once I get to work, after I've dropped the boys off at school. It, it's different every day. We try to get there early for you early risers so that you can start your day uh, with a little prayer, scripture, reflection, that sort of thing. It follows along uh, generally with that uh, little devotional guidebook, uh, the sacred invitation book uh, that we gave to you at the beginning of the season of Lent. And if you didn't get one of those, we've got, I think, like three left out there in the foyer. Uh, now, there are some other things coming up, too. Um, next week, I, didn't, I for, completely forgot to mention this last Sunday. Uh, we have had somebody approach us and say, you know, I've never been baptized, and I'd really like to get baptized, and I don't really want to put this off any longer. And, uh, and I've got this friend who's at another church who would like to have come in and celebrate with me for this. And next Sunday, the 21st, was the chance that it was like, that works best for everybody. So next Sunday, um, I get to baptize Miss Cindy Rogers right here. And uh, so if you are, would like to be here, with, it'll be at the end of this 9 o'clock service, and uh, we'll be baptizing Cindy. I hope that you'll be with us to celebrate that. And, um, and if you are interested in getting baptized, if you've never been baptized, um, I would love to talk with you about that. It doesn't have to happen next Sunday, but it could if you really would like to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would love to talk with you about baptism, and we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. And then the Sunday after that, uh, the 28th, well, it's, it's Palm Sunday, but that's also the day that uh, elementary kids are going to start um, meeting here again on Sunday mornings. So elementary kids, the elementary room is going to open up again on the 28th. Uh, we're not quite ready yet to open up the nursery and preschool rooms, although if there's anybody that would like to help uh, to staff those, there's a process we've got to take you through, a screening process for anybody that works with kids. Um, but if you'd like to help open those rooms as well, uh, then we can talk about that and make sure that we go through all the appropriate steps we need to to, to make those available here on Sunday morning. But um, but yeah, Sunday morning, the 28th at 9 a.m., uh, kids will be in the elementary room again and uh, doing their stuff here instead of on Zoom. They've been on Zoom for like a year, and uh, they're eager to get back to in person. And then the Sunday after that is Easter Sunday, uh, April 4th. I'm looking forward to celebrating Easter with you. We will almost certainly have two services that day, 9 and 1030, because we know that there are several folks who are excited to be back with us on that day, people who have uh, been getting vaccinated and are, you know, they'll be, they'll be, uh, uh, their immunity or whatever will have built up enough by that point that they're like, yeah, I want to be there. I don't want to miss Easter. So uh, 9 o'clock or 1030 on Easter Sunday. And in between the services at like 1010, we're going to have that little Easter egg hunt for elementary age kids out in the, out in the little yard. And because, because some folks might not be here, it's even more candy for all the kids who do show up. All right. So anyway, uh, so that's, that's happening on Easter Sunday morning. Uh, today... Um, <laughs> We, as we continue down this, this journey toward Easter, as we continue this Lenten journey together, um, I don't know about you, I've been hearing lots of uh, things this last week, um, kind of the, the look backs, you know, like, well, it's been a year now since they declared it a pandemic, and since uh, people started having, like, cases actually were showing up in the United States, and uh, I think it was a year ago that we had, like, our first service post-pandemic, we were still in person, but we were all keeping our distance, and we were thinking, okay, as long as we keep our distance and wash our hands and you know, like elbow you know, bumps or something, maybe we can get through this. And, and by the next, like, like the day after, or two days after, I forget when it was, or maybe it was that afternoon, um, 
Uh, the word was coming down like, no, no, we're going into lockdown mode. No one's leaving the house. Everyone's staying at home. And we had to figure out real quick how to do church online so we could stay connected and, uh, and continue to minister to folks uh, throughout this crazy past year. I remember at the time thinking, well, hopefully this won't last too long. You know, maybe a month or two, we can get this thing under control and we can, we can get back to normal. And, you know, we had summer plans we were looking forward to. We had all kinds of things that we were hopeful for. We celebrated 20 years as a church this last fall. And we're like, you know, we're, we're hoping for all of that. And, and no, no, I mean, and nothing went the way that we had planned, did it? Um, how many of you um, hoarded some toilet paper at the beginning of this whole thing? Does anybody want to admit that you... Oh, one honest person in the room. Okay, no, I, was, I don't know. I, I didn't hoard any toilet paper. I mean, just kind of used it like normal and seemed to find it on the shelves when we needed it. But, um, you know, there's one of those weird things that disappeared from store shelves when this whole thing began, like, like toilet paper and then eventually like Clorox wipes. You know, you couldn't find those either. And one other thing that disappeared from the shelves was, was yeast. Um, I, strangely enough, you know, did any of you start like baking bread when this whole thing? Oh, at least one of you. Okay, a couple of you. Yes, yeah, like yeah, you know, I had a little extra time. I was home. I thought, why not? You know, um, apparently, lots of people got into baking bread, and uh, lots of people started doing passing around sourdough starters and that kind of thing. I think, yeah, we had some at our house for a little while, some sourdough starter, and and I think Stacy made a couple of loaves of that before she realized like I just don't have time for this stuff. You know, uh, we're just gonna keep buying it, and it's fine. Um, but today's story um, comes right on the heels of Jesus doing some amazing stuff with bread. In Mark chapter 8, uh, we see that Jesus was great with bread. You know, I mean, he was like a, like a miracle worker, basically, when it came to bread. I mean, Jesus could do bread. Um, uh, at the beginning of Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus does something unimaginable. With just seven loaves of bread and a few small fish, he feeds a crowd of 4,000 people. And, and now some of you right now are thinking... Wait, wait a minute, wasn't it 5,000 people? And wasn't it like five loaves and two small fish? I mean, I remember there was like a song about that, I think, when I was a kid. If you are thinking that, then congratulations. You know your Bible stories, for one thing. Um, but the, uh, this is actually, Jesus did this twice. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, we read about him doing the, the thing for 5,000 people. And, and we don't know how many people actually, because they like counted the men. There's like 5,000 men were present. We don't know how, how many women and children were, were in the crowd. And, uh, and yeah, the disciples had, um, I think that's where they have a boy's lunch. They're like, well, this kid's got five loaves of bread and two fish. He's willing to share. And, uh, and Jesus takes it, gives thanks for it, gives it to the disciples. They, they give it to the crowd. And like everyone is fed and fully satisfied. And then in Mark chapter 8, he's in a different uh, part of the a different region. I was going to say different part of the country, but he's kind of out of the country. He's, he's in a Gentile area, a non-Jewish area, and a big crowd is there. And again, similar kind of thing happens. This time, they've got seven loaves of bread. And, uh, and then at some point, they're like, well, and there were a few small fish. And, and Jesus gives thanks for all of it, breaks the bread, gives it out. And this huge crowd of people all eats and is satisfied. Right after Jesus does this, the second time he's done one of these miraculous feeding miracles, we read this in Mark chapter 8, verse, starting with verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply. <laughs> I, can, I can kind of hear that. You know, some of you have, have been in relationships with parents. You've heard parents sigh deeply sometimes, you know, or a teacher who has sighed deeply as you have asked a question or you have done something, and they're like, oh. you know, there's a head shake that goes with the, the sigh deeply. And he said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And in my head, I'm thinking, he, he just gave you like this huge sign, you know, massive sign. Uh, but they're still asking for more. It's like, hmm, 
No, no signs. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. That's why he's talking about bread and yeast. So we forgot to bring bread and he knows. He knows we don't have any bread. Why didn't we take those seven baskets of bread from there? Oh, man. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? And how many leftovers were there as we were cleaning up the scene after the, after the meal? Twelve, they replied. Twelve baskets full of leftovers. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? And that's where our story ends today. Um, the disciples, I mean, I kind of feel for them, right? I mean, they kind of stand in for us in most of these stories, right? The disciples are the people that we relate to. They're the people that Jesus has reached out to, just like he's reached out to us. You know, they're doing their best to keep up with Jesus, just like we're doing our best to keep up with him and to follow him through life. And uh, they're learning as they go, just like we are learning as we go. And so many times they struggle, just like so many times we struggle to catch Jesus' meaning or to, to get ourselves into, you know, out of the kind of the headspace that we live in most of the time and into this beautiful vision of the life that Jesus is inviting us into. Um, the disciples are still living in this world where there's, there's like not enough and they're worried that Jesus knows, oh, we didn't bring enough bread and there's a, there's a shortage. You know, like, why, didn't, why did we just bring one bread? We just had the seven, seven baskets of, of bread after this thing. Why didn't we, like, bring one of those baskets of bread with us? You know, why did we leave all those behind? We just have one loaf of bread, and Jesus knows, and, oh, he's disappointed, and we've, we failed him, and, and now he's upset with us, and that's why he's hinting at yeast and, and talking about bread. But Jesus is, is living in a whole different place, right? Where he's like, why are you worried about this? Why are you worried about having a bread? We're, you were there right? I mean, you saw five loaves, two fish, you know, turns into all food for thousands plus 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Wouldn't that be nice? You go to a restaurant and you order food and you go home with more leftovers than you started the meal with? That would be, that'd be kind of nice. I, I don't mind leftovers. Some of you are like, no, I don't take the leftovers. That's for someone else. You know, the dog can have that or someone else can. I love leftovers. I mean, just, I don't even warm them up. I just eat them cold right out of the fridge. That's disgusting, but that's me. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I think that'd be great. And that's what happens for both of these meals. Both of these, you know, impromptu pop-up parties that Jesus throws, um, they start with a little bit of food and they feed thousands and there are more leftovers than, than what they started with. Um, the idea that there's not enough, the, the label that gets put on that, and this, this is where many of us live much of the time, frankly, uh, this scarcity Mindset. Some people call it the myth of scarcity because it's like a whole way of viewing the world. Not myth like an illusion necessarily, but... Although, frankly, it is that. But it's this world that we get sucked into that says, there is not enough. There's not enough for me and all the things that me and my family, the things that we need. There's not enough, there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done. There's not enough, there aren't enough days in the week to, to make it through. 
and you start hearing uh, somebody at church talk about taking a Sabbath break, taking a day off, a day to rest, and you're thinking, you got to be kidding me. I don't have time to, to do the work in the seven days I've got. I need an eighth day, and you're trying to take a day away. There's no way. I'm sorry. You know, or, or our resources, you know, like I don't have enough. I, I run out of money before I run out of month every single time. And, and we're in trouble here and we're not sure how we're going to make it. And then you're talking about being generous. You're talking about giving to a church or to Habitat for Humanity or to a sister church in Hammond or to, you know, all the different projects that we give to around this church. There's not enough. Rich, I, I, don't you understand? There's not enough. That's this scarcity mindset that says, I've got to hold on tightly to what I have because if I don't, someone's going to take it from me or it's going to slip through my fingers or I'm going to find myself in trouble. And so I have to cling tightly to what I have because there isn't enough. That's that scarcity mindset. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Guys, don't, don't you remember? Do you still not understand the, the life of God's kingdom, the life with me is, is life that is uh, abundant. Jesus says, with God, there is always enough. With God, there is always enough. He tries to show us that time and time again throughout his ministry, his teaching. Uh, do you remember what he says in the Sermon on the Mount about worrying? He tries to tell us, like, look, don't worry. Some of you are just, you're freaking out about, you know, what are we going to eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And he says, look, the, the pagans run after all those things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So you just seek his kingdom first, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you. You, know, you don't have to live like people who don't know that there's a loving God who cares for them. You don't have to live like he calls them pagans, but he's, he's referring to people who, you know, they worship these gods who are capricious, who one day they're good and one day they're not, and, and some days they're paying attention and some days they're not, and, and maybe there's not any God out there at all. And so, of course, people who don't believe there's a God, you know, Think, well, it all depends on me then, right? And I've got I've to watch out for mine, and I've got to worry about this, or there might not be enough. He's saying, no, 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 look, you know you have a heavenly Father who loves you, who knows your needs, who's going to take care of you. You don't need to live a life of worry. Or speaking of bread, I mean, it, it always takes me back to the story back in the book of Exodus, where God has, has freed his people from slavery Right in Egypt, and he's, he's taking them through the wilderness to the promised land, to the land that he said is an abundant land, flowing with milk and honey is how they describe it. Like, like the cows just can't contain it anymore or something. I'm not sure how land flows with milk. But uh, it's like, it's just, there's good stuff there. When they finally do get to the edge of the promised land and they send in some spies, they like come back with this cluster of grapes that's so big it takes two people to carry it between them on a pole, it says. Uh, this land is, this is fertile ground. This is not what they experienced back in Egypt where they're having to scrape and make bricks. And, and this is not what they've experienced in the wilderness where God's got to miraculously provide or they, they won't have anything to eat or drink. He says, I'm taking you to this abundant land where there is more than enough. But while they're in the wilderness, I just mentioned it, they didn't have enough, Right? They're, they're looking around, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and, you know, they've left this spring behind, and they're on their way to the next spring, but they've got some distance to cover between those two, and they're wondering, where is the water going to come from? And God, you know, tells Moses, speak to this rock. One time he has to hit it with a stick. One time he just has to talk to it, and, and God just provides springs in the desert. And when they were hungry, God began to provide them with this miracle bread from heaven that, like, kind of crystallized out of the dew or something. They called it manna, um, and God provided for them each and every day, this daily bread that they needed to eat. And it said they would go out in the morning and collect just enough for them and their family. I said those who gathered much didn't have too much. Those who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had enough. With God, there is always 
enough. And the prayer Jesus taught us to pray that includes in it, give us this day our daily bread. We'll pray it together here in a few minutes. Um, I think it's kind of a reference back to that experience of the people of God, this daily bread that God provides. Jesus is trying to teach us. God is trying to show us that with God, there is always enough. I know it's a little bit... uh, it's a little bit of a departure, but it also reminds me of what God says to the Apostle Paul when he is struggling, when he is wrestling with this, he calls it a thorn in his flesh. He calls it a messenger from Satan to torment him. He, he feels like God gave him this because he was kind of getting a big head because God was revealing so much of who God was to him and he was having visions of like what life is like with God in heaven. And he says, to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given this thorn in my flesh. And we don't know what that was. It might have been a physical ailment. Uh, a lot of people think he might have had eye trouble from when he was blinded and had scales on his eyes and all this kind of stuff. Or, or some people theorize about different diseases he might have had. Um, but he pleads with God three times, God, will you take this away? And God answers him. Some of you remember what God said. He says, oh, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God tells him no. The Apostle Paul, he tells him no. The Apostle Paul, whose life has been changed, who devotes his entire life uh, to spreading the good news about Jesus and starting churches, and who suffers in numerous ways throughout his life for the cause of Christ and for the mission of the church, uh, God tells him no. I shouldn't be surprised when God tells me no, I guess. But he says, he doesn't just say, no, no, just deal with it. He says, no, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. And it's one thing to think about having enough when we're thinking about material stuff or food on the table or money in the bank, that kind of thing. That's important. But Jesus says, no, we've even got enough of like the grace that we need from God, right? Um, it's uh, in one of the letters in our New Testament it says, where, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Like, no matter how bad our sin is, God's grace is enough to cover that sin, to forgive our sins. No matter how weak we feel or what we struggle with, God's grace is enough to give us the strength to make it through. In, uh, in one of the other letters in the New Testament, is it James, where he says, no temptation has seized you except what's common to, to mankind. And when you're tempted, God will provide a way out. You know, he... You're going to make it through. God will give you enough strength, enough wisdom, enough grace that you don't have to keep living a life of failure to sin. He will show you a way out of it. He's with you. He has enough for you, enough grace, enough goodness. We don't need to live with this scarcity mindset that says, I don't think there's enough. There is no, well, we don't even think it. We, we believe it, that there is not enough. And we live that way, clinging tightly to ours, for ours. Instead of living with God in this life of abundance. And that's where this story goes, because this story doesn't just say there's enough. I mean, frankly, this story says with God, there's always enough and then some, right? Because he doesn't multiply the bread and the fish just enough to feed those 5,000 people. Or just enough to feed those 4,000 people. There's leftovers. There's extra. God provides for us what we need and then some. And again, this is taught over and over by Jesus and over and over again in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus at one point uh, contrasts himself with our spiritual enemy, the devil, says the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, to take from us, you know. And, but he says, I came to give life and that abundantly. 
you know, like a lot of life, you know, more life than you need, basically, you know, like this abundant life, this overflowing life that Jesus wants us to experience. Reminds me of what, how God is described in the Old Testament to those people as they're making their way through the wilderness from slavery to freedom and abundance. Uh, God describes himself to Moses as being the Lord who's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, overflowing with love and faithfulness or abounding in love and faithfulness, depending on the translation into English that you happen to be reading. You know, God gives us his life in Jesus Christ. And the life that God gives is not, you know, just barely enough for me to get by. The life that God gives, the love that he gives us, the grace that he gives us is enough for us and then some. So that he can send us into the world, into our relationships, into our, uh, our lives, into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, all the different places God sends us. We don't just barely have enough to make it through and to survive. We don't have just barely what we need in order to be faithful to him and to not give in to sin or not give in to those peer pressures or not, to not fall back into that uh, addiction or that unhealthy habit or, or to not just join with the crowd when we're, they're all saying this or doing that or whatever. He gives us more than enough so that we can walk into those places in our lives um, with grace to share, you know, so that we can have, have peace to share with others, confidence to share with others. We can go through pandemics not living fearfully, not like, oh man, I hope I'm not going to catch this. Of course, we live prudently and we live compassionately for the people around us. I mean, that's why we wear the masks. Good grief. It's it's not because we're afraid of catching it ourselves. It's because we don't want to give it to anybody else, right? I mean, they told us from pretty early on, not right at the beginning, they're still trying to figure this thing out, but at some point they realized like, oh, wait a second, people have this for a couple days before they have symptoms. And they're spreading it before they have symptoms. And go, oh, good grief, we ought to all wear masks because you never know. I might have just picked it up yesterday and I could be spreading it and I might not show symptoms for two more days. If I'm going to be around other people, I've got to have a mask on. Which is why we still encourage you to wear masks when you come in here to church. And I know I see some of you take them off when you're at your seats. But I do want to let you know, I've heard from some folks that they're not feeling quite ready to come back in part because they know that a bunch of folks take off their masks once they're in their seats. Uh, we would love for you to keep those masks on for the duration of the service, and I know it's easy for me to say standing up here with no mask on. Um, but I also know I've heard from some of you who are like, I got to wear a mask all day at work, eight hours. You know, it's not a big deal to have it on for an hour at church on Sunday. Or actually, a student that said that to us one point, like, I got to wear a mask all day at school. I don't think it's a big deal to keep a mask on for an hour at church. We do this out of love for each other. But the, the question is, you know, what kind of life are we going to live? In the midst of a pandemic, we don't live fearful. We live confident in God's love for us, confident that God's going to get us through. And here, as we're kind of on the threshold now, there's like there's hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm hearing people talk about July 4th and the chance to celebrate with people and all of that. I'm like, whew, okay, all right, I can keep, I keep running this race. I see a finish line finally uh, at the end over here. Um, you know, we do this, we live with confidence, with the strength that we need and the endurance we need, and then some to share with others. Others who are feeling worn out and worn down by this whole thing. And I know that's some of you. Some of that's, that's why some of you are in this room right now. Those, those of you who are watching from home, some of you I know you're just like, nah, we're good. We miss people, but we're okay. Some of you who are in the room, I know you're here because you're like, I'm not going to make it if i got to keep looking at a screen. i got to actually put my eyes on other people. i got to know that there are still people out there. I, I, too isolated. I gotta, I've got to be with some, some folks, even if it's at a distance, even if we're covered up with a mask. 
if you are, if hmm, God gives us more than we need, not just so that we can enjoy it, but so that we can share with others. God gives us more than we need. We live with this abundance. With God, there is enough and then some. This is the life that Jesus invites us into. And it's why he warns his disciples against the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Because, okay, I'm not as familiar with yeast, all right? Uh, I know that yeast is used when you're making bread or when you're making beer. I know there's lots of different kinds of yeasts, and they all do different things, and they make things expand and all that kind of stuff. And there's yeast infections, although I'm not sure if that's the same stuff. Anyway, uh, I don't know that, I'm not that familiar with yeast, all right? Um, but I know Jesus uses it as an example in Matthew 13 and Luke 13. He uses it as an example when he's trying to describe what the kingdom of God is like. He uses yeast. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast that works its way through a whole batch of dough. He pairs that with the, the saying about the kingdom of God being like a, a mustard seed, this tiny little seed that when planted grows into a bush large enough that the birds of the air can take shade under its branches. And, and he seems to be saying that the kingdom of God doesn't always show up in a big way right away, but it's a small thing that, that has eventually has a, a very, very big impact. And we as Christians are invited to, to be that, like Jesus said, we're, the kingdom of God is like yeast that starts out small, one changed life, one person in your classroom, one person in your workplace who's trusting God, but then it begins to have an influence as your changed life rubs up against the, change, the lives of others. As, you, as God gives you more than what you need for yourself and you begin to share hope and to share encouragement and to share peace with other people, as you begin to be a peacemaker, sometimes stepping into volatile situations and helping people to know, hey, it's going to be okay, guys. Just listen, let's listen to each other. And you help people to, to listen and to, to you help to kind of put water on the fire instead of pouring gas on the fire like everybody else is. He gives us more than enough so that we can live in those places and so the influence of God's kingdom can, can spread. But the same thing is true on the other side. If that little bit of yeast is like the yeast of Pharisees or Herod, which Herod was like the king of Israel. He was the puppet king of Israel who apparently had his sons, who had his sons killed so they couldn't take his throne from him. I mean, that's kind of how kings worked back then, apparently. You know, you, your son's in line to be the next king, and, and he's eager to be king, and he's going to wait for you to die. Sometimes those kids would uh, find a way to help dad along, right? And uh, to help him off the throne so that you could step up to the throne. And Herod, I think, saw that coming and kills his own sons so they can't kill him and take his throne. Boy, that's a scarcity mindset right there, isn't it? There's not enough power to go around. This power cannot be shared. I have it. I'm clinging to it. I'll kill my own kids if I have to to hold on to it. He's warning against that kind of thought that you've got to hold on to power by any means necessary. He's warning against the, the yeast of the, the Pharisees. These who seem like they never have enough, never enough proof, never enough signs. You know, he's fed 5,000, he's fed 4,000, he's healed people, he's done all these amazing things, and they're coming to him saying, why don't you give us a sign? Why don't you just show us? Crying out loud. They just never have enough proof, never have enough evidence, because they're, it's not about that for them. Just like it, maybe it hasn't been like that for you. Maybe you've gone years of questioning, years of pushing back against God's Holy Spirit, <laughs> drawing you to himself. And you say, well, maybe if you, if you just show me, God, if you just, if you just answer this question, if you just answer, well, how many questions has he already answered for you? How many things has he already shown for you? How many things has he already done for you? 
He warns against this yeast of the Pharisees. Because just that little thought, that like, oh, there's not enough, that, that's enough to, to taint your whole life. The way you interact with everybody you interact with will be changed if you live with this idea that there is just not enough and I've got to hold on to what's mine. It's a very different thing than living this life that Jesus invites us into. We are invited into this life of abundance. We are invited into this life where we have more than enough for ourselves and for others. And yeah, we might not always get it right away, just like the disciples didn't. You know, how many times has God shown us? How many times has God provided for us? And we still question and we still doubt. But you know what? The disciples, they're still a good example for us because they continue to follow Jesus, even in the midst of their not quite getting it. You know, they don't get it, but they continue to trust him. They don't get it, but they continue to follow him. That's what I want to encourage you to do. If you're, if you're here today, if you're watching today, and you're like, well, I, I don't get all of this. I'm still working on it. I, I don't have this all right yet. Like, okay, that's fine. Be honest about that. Admit that to God. Ask for his help and keep on trusting him that he can lead you into freedom, that he can lead you into this abundant life, that he can lead you into life with him, life in God's kingdom. It's, it's fun, frankly, to pastor this church um, because of the ways that you guys, for the most part, get this message. You know, um, where for the most part, I, I'm, I'm not preaching this today because I'm like, and you guys all need to get this because you just don't. For the most part, you guys do get this message. I mean, that's what I was just mentioning earlier, and I got to celebrate at the annual meeting a couple of weeks ago, that you guys are so generous. Uh, you guys, some of you, uh, I guess we're going to have other stimulus checks coming soon. And I, I know there are some of you that are going to say, hey, you know what, we don't really need this, but we know there's some people in our community that do, and you're going to reach out to me and say, where should I give this, or how should I mark this? I want to make sure this goes to, to help somebody. And, and you can always give to the Acts 4 fund, which goes to help people in our congregation. You can give it to the Good Neighbor Fund. These are both drop-downs you can pick at that, you know, livinghope.info slash give, uh, or that you can mark in an envelope. You give it to the Good Neighbor Fund, and that goes to, to First Contact here in town. They help folks who aren't part of our church community, people that we don't know personally who call me up and just say, hey, does your church help with this or that? And I, I refer people to First Contact because you guys give generously, and we give it to them as well, as well as, you know, like a dozen other churches give to them so that people can have just one place to go instead of a dozen places to go. You guys do are generous with your time, with your gifts, with your, with your resources. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be your pastor, letting me be having the fun of being the pastor of a church that is generous, that looks for ways to bless others instead of having that fearful mindset of, oh, no, pastor, what? we, we got to protect ours. we gotta, we got to watch out for, for just us. We can't think about the people out there. we gotta, we got to worry about our people just in here. We want to do all of those things. You know, we want to help people connect with God and with each other and with the world in need of God's love. That's, that's the mission of this church. And so thank you for letting me be your pastor, uh, letting me be your pastor uh, to a church that, that gets this and that lives this out. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to pray, we're going to sing about uh, God's abundant love, overwhelming love, and we're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, this reminder, once again, that God gives us his life, and this life overflows. It, it fills us to the brim and then some. God gives us his grace, his mercy, his love, his life. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, today, um, today you're asking us 
You know, what kind of life are you going to live? Today we are confronted with the reality that sometimes we do live with this scarcity mindset, that there just isn't enough, and we do sometimes cling tightly. We think that your grace is enough for my sin, but not for that terrible sinner over there. Or we think that, you know, what I've worked for and earned is just enough for me, but I don't really have enough to share. Or we, we hoard our, our time or our affections or our uh, whatever it might be, God. And we live lives that are so much smaller than what you created us for. Would you help us, God, to, to not let that yeast, not let those kinds of thoughts, not let those mindsets uh, not let those take root in us, not let those grow in us, not let those things infect the way that we live. Instead, God, would you help us to, to grasp the abundance that you bring us, that you bless us with all that we need. We have enough and then some. Help us, God, to be faithful with the enough that you give us Uh, Help us to be faithful with the and then some, with the extra that you bless us with. Help us not to just sit on all of that for ourselves, but help us, God, to, to allow your blessings to flow through us into the lives of the people around us, to share with them your grace, your hope, your encouragement, your confidence, your peace, your love, and your resources, God, financial resources or our time, whatever it might be, God, that you bless us with, would you help us to be faithful with it? Would you help us to live with this awareness that we have all that we need and then some? Because our loving Heavenly Father knows our needs and is with us. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity we have to share in your abundant life, to participate in your mission, to share your grace and your love and your life with the world. God, you have invited us in because others were generous. Others went out of their way to to connect your good news to us. Now, God, we have the opportunity to be used by you. Would you help us? Would you help us to say yes to you? Thank you, God, for this sacrament of communion that we get to celebrate today. We get to lift up to you these simple gifts of bread and juice, and we give you thanks, God, for all the ways you provide for us but especially for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation that we experience in him, the the way that you rescue us from sin and death and the devil. Because in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have defeated our enemies. You have set us free. So we pray that today, God, by your Holy Spirit's presence with us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves. We, we lift our lives up to you, God, offering ourselves to you, praying that by your Spirit's work in our lives, that, that we might be transformed, that we might become the body of Christ. We confess our sins to you, God. We don't come to you today uh, thinking that we have earned our seat at your table. We are very aware that we have sinned against you by things we have done and things we've left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. 
for the sake of your son, Jesus, would you be merciful to us today? Would you continue to be the God that you've shown yourself to be time and time again in in the words of Scripture and in, in the lives of believers for thousands of years now? Would you continue to be the God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with love and faithfulness? Help us to experience your forgiveness and freedom today. Fill us with the Spirit of Christ to the point of overflowing so that we can share your love and your grace with those you send us to this week. Thank you, God. For all these things, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion today, and and some of you might be preparing uh, some bread and juice as well. If you're with us at home and you haven't already gathered some communion elements and you would like to celebrate the sacrament with us today, um, please, uh, this is a chance to gather them if you haven't already. Uh, Those of us in the room on the tables with some little cups, you'll get a chance to to peel that top layer back and get to the bread and then peel the next one back and get to the juice. Um, Thank you, God, for the amazing love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that you love us. God, today we come to you again, acknowledging our need of your mercy and grace, and so grateful that you have poured out this love and grace to us in your son, Jesus Christ. We remember today the great sacrifice that he made as you shared your life with us. As Lord Jesus, you were willing to give your life so that we could be set free. We remember how... On that night, you uh, were having dinner with your disciples, celebrating that Passover meal and God setting his people free from slavery in Egypt. And you, you made this meal about you and the new thing that God was doing. You took bread and you broke it and you gave thanks and you gave it to your disciples and you said, take this, eat it, all of you. This is my body broken for you. Let's take and eat the bread. And after supper, you took the cup, gave thanks. You gave it to your disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember, Lord Jesus. That was a question you asked your disciples. Don't you remember? Don't you remember what I did when I multiplied the loaves and the fish? Don't you remember that my life is enough to provide for your sins and for the sins of the world? We do remember, Lord Jesus, the abundance of your grace and your love that you have poured out on us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that as you send us out from this time and place, as you send us back into relationships or work or school or wherever it is that you might be sending us, God, You send us as the body of Christ, broken, poured out for the world. 
filled by you with more than enough so that we can share. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.